0: Welcome to the Light Reading Executive Spotlight Q&A. This is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and I'm joined on this podcast by Devish Garg, who is the founder and CEO of Arcus. In this show, we'll talk about service provider and cloud networks and how the requirements for those networks have evolved over the last decade, more specifically the last year or so. And that leads us to a discussion of Arcus, uh, when the company was founded, what its mission is. Um. Uh, a little bit about the vision behind the company and how the company has evolved since its inception. Finally, we'll get into why Arcus is positioning itself in the market to be what it calls a hyperscale networking software company. All of that is coming right up after the break. Welcome to the Light Reading Executive Spotlight Q&A. This is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. And on this podcast, I'm joined by Devesh Garg, who is the co-founder and CEO of Arcus. Uh, Devesh, welcome and thanks for being in the spotlight. Thank you,
1: Phil. I'm proud to uh, be here to share some information with you about Arcus and uh, thank you for the opportunity.
0: It's uh, great because it's a company we've uh, uh, been talking about at Light Reading behind the scenes, and we're uh, we're, we're curious to, to hear all about it as well. Um, we want to talk about sort of uh, you know some problems you guys are addressing in networking and 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 network requirements. But before we do that, let's go back in time a bit to kind of set the stage. Um, so, how have the requirements for networks evolved over the past decade or so?
1: The network um, has been undergoing constant evolution. Uh, if you look over the past 40 years, um, it has moved in increments that uh, started in the early days with things like Token Ring and FTDI, uh, L2, uh, and ATM technologies in the 90s. Um, and if you fast forward through uh, the 2000 era, uh, the data center really took Uh, the forefront in uh, early 2010 and in the last uh, few years we've really seen uh, the dominance of the cloud and its pervasiveness across um, the entire networking infrastructure become very significant Uh, and with the advent of the cloud we see a migration towards routing edge access use cases and increasingly multi-cloud deployments. Um, a big part of the reason that's really driving this is that we live in um, this information revolution, as I like to call it, uh, and it's unabating. Uh, if you really look at uh, the data in the marketplace around uh, connectivity, um, the growth and um, the number of people availing of ultimately network infrastructure is significant. Um, If you look at some of the data by 2023, uh, there'll be approximately 5.5 billion internet users. There'll be 30 billion network devices and about 15 million machine connections, as well as 100 exabytes of uh, mobile traffic data on a per monthly basis. And so the combination of all of these things is putting a tremendous amount of pressure on the network to be able to... Uh, adequately support all of this need if you will.
0: Yeah, it's interesting cuz we're we're we need the network now more than ever, especially uh you know during this current pandemic. Um and the kinds of things we're doing on the network are so different than just a few years ago. Um I I mean you you pointed out the the mobile use is interesting because you know the mobile device isn't just uh we're talking on the phone, we're sending videos back and forth. And I would say about half of my conversations and probably a hundred percent of my son's conversations are video chats on the phone, um, which I'm sure uses up way more bandwidth and capacity than, uh, than, than, a, a standard voice call. Um, so you, you mentioned also hyperscalers and how they've kind of changed, uh, you know, the game in terms of, you know, the types of services that they're providing, um, how is their approach to networking, um, you know, changed things and, and what do like, uh, co- you know, communication service providers and enterprises, um, what can they learn from the hyperscaler approach to networking?
1: You know, the, 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 leaders in the world, if you look, uh, today, um, relative to, uh, some of the, uh, technology companies that are taking advantage of the dynamic that you talked about, um, are household names like AWS from Amazon, uh, Facebook, Google. And one of the things that they've done is they were very thoughtful, strategic, and had the ability to, um, and this is in the context of networking infrastructure, uh, specifically, but they really had, uh, the ability to, um, develop solutions that were best in class for their needs. And as a result, they've been able to really um, take advantage of what we at Arcus like to call the open integration paradigm. They avail of best in class solutions at every level. So whether that's at the merchant component level, whether that's taking advantage of the economics of white box hardware, coupled with software, network operating software that is optimized, you know, for their needs, um, this combination of best in class solution has given them tremendous advantages as measured across performance, scale, uh, operational flexibility, uh, overall, you know, better quality as it relates to network uptime, resiliency, um, and the ability to support this tremendous Uh, surge and requirement around networking, Uh, and uh, frankly, they're able to do this at a far lower cost than the rest of the world. So this combination of things has really given them a significant advantage um, and has turned their networking infrastructure not into an asset that they depreciate, but it's really turned into an asset that's a strategic advantage that positively distinguishes them and allows them to do the things that we see happening in the marketplace that they report upon on a, on a consistent and quarterly basis.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, um, and thanks for putting that into context too, because that, that is the interesting part about this sort of, uh, information revolution is that you've got, um, you know, they're offering these and, you know, the cloud providers, especially these, these, uh, uh web scale companies are offering these, um, uh, Incredible services at massive scale, and to be able to do that, they had to just about change everything about the type of infrastructure that they had um, to, you know, to deliver it at the um, free and sometimes extremely low, uh, you know, price points that they've been able to to achieve. Um, so let's talk about uh, Arcus and what you're bringing to the table, and uh, and the technology um, that. Uh, uh, you know, that, 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 that you're building. Um, so, uh, first of all, let's start with the company itself. Um, when was it founded and what's sort of the, the mission of the company since its inception?
1: We were founded in 2016, um, and really in earnest got going, uh, in late Q4 of, uh, 2016, I think in the, uh, you know, October timeframe, uh, and had about, uh, 10 engineers through March of 2017 so um, as networking companies go with the combination of progress and uh, advancements that we've made uh, we've we've really been at it for about three years and if I look at the evolution of the company uh, looking back on it now really our mission was to um, essentially uh, enable customers to have the freedom of choice and thrive, and turn their networking infrastructure into a asset and something that would be positively um, uh, differentiated for their business requirements. The idea really spawned, I I historically spent a lifetime in uh, the semiconductor industry. uh, And I also uh, spent some time in the venture capital industry. And what it taught me Um, through those sets of experiences was that there was tremendous progress that was being made at the chip level, if you will, more and more transistors being added to various uh, merchant components that were there. All of those transistors translated to greater functionality. And the other thing I learned through the venture experience was that if you're ever going to start a company uh, going after a large market uh, that is really ripe for uh, disruption based on differentiated capabilities is a way to go. And and so when you look at the networking industry, it's about a $60 billion market. It's really been dominated for the last 30 years by a small handful of what we call OEMs. And you know, frankly, uh, they exert monopolistic tendencies on this market. So that was one side of the equation. And then the other side of the equation was that um, also, one of our founders and our CTO, and really the principal visionary of our product, our technology, is a gentleman by the name of Kair Patel. And he was a distinguished engineer at Cisco. Uh, there's only approximately 70 of those in the world. He's probably one of the foremost leading experts on BGP and routing technologies. And through this 20 plus year career that he had in networking, he really was able to have a privileged vantage to see um, what best-in-class companies like Cisco were able to provide to the market. Yet at the same time as being a visionary architect, he also knew what worked well, but he knew those things he wanted to innovate on. And Mm. that level of innovation really required taking a first principles approach, um, not trying to band-aid and fix um, 30-plus-year-old Software architectures that were designed for yesteryear, but really Mm -hmm. go back to first principles and design something that was purposeful that took advantage of all of that great innovation that was happening in the semiconductor industry. And then the third piece of the puzzle, Phil, was that throughout history, um, we have been shown and it has been repeatedly demonstrated that when you have monopolistic companies serving a large market with monolithic. Proprietary vertical uh, solutions. Over time, it always migrates to best-in-class horizontal segmentation. So one great example is the compute tier, as people like to call it. It was dominated by IBM and DEC and Unisys in the early years. Um, over time, you saw the advent of Sun and SGI with workstations, mm-hmm. where they, you know, produced some portion. Of the solution. And then if you look today, that compute tier has been replaced by a set of solutions that consists of best in class components at the chip level, so x86 processors. You have companies like HP and Dell that provide the systems, and then you have best in class software that comes from the combination of people like Microsoft for the operating system and, and Linux as well. And so vertical closed proprietary solutions in large markets supported by a small number of suppliers always moves to best-in-class horizontal segmentation. So if you take those three elements that I described, the advancements that were being made in technology at the chip and system level, um, if you factor in the opportunity to really design a modern day network operating system solution um, as envisioned by um, our CTO, Kayer. And you look at the market forces that were basically holding back um, this innovation, that combination is what really uh, led us to create Arcus. And in fact, the name Arcus um, emanates, it's not spelt as an Arcus cloud, but the name Arcus Um, loosely stated, is um, a horizontal um, shelf cloud that forms in the sky before a thunderstorm. And we thought that the networking industry as a $60 billion market that is kind of held captive and to a degree hostage by these OEMs uh, was ready for a thunderstorm. And what we wanted to do when we started the company was to produce best-in-class networking operating system software that was hardware agnostic, uh, differentiated itself on its networking protocols, on its performance, um, on leveraging standards-based programmable APIs, and being completely hardware agnostic such that we could run and take advantage of all of these advancements in the um, in the uh, hardware and uh, semiconductor, um, technology areas we felt mm-hmm. that if you could create that solution you really had a winning combination uh, to create a very successful um, business and and that was the combination of factors that led to the creation of Arcus
0: and in this um, uh, in the creation of Arcus and its its product the arc OS uh, this uh, network uh, networking operating system um, what's unique about the operating system itself? And then um, uh, how does that sort of compare to what the incumbents in the space are bringing to the table?
1: Yeah. So the the first part of that is that we knew um, that what I had just described to you about the market opportunity was not a new construct. Um, Many people have thought about the same thing. It's a natural evolution of what needs to happen in the networking industry. But the missing link had always been the software. You know, the irony of uh, this market is that if you look at um, the market OEM leaders and you look at what are some of the bright box uh, hardware suppliers in the mid-tier and you look at the unbranded white box manufacturers, They all use the same components. They all use the same power supplies and sheet metal and fundamentally create the same hardware solution, if you will. Yet, none of the ODMs and bright box manufacturers had really been able to put a dent in the OEM business. And so the missing link was software. Now, we weren't the first to recognize that. There are other people that attempted this, but their attempt really centered around being a glorified software system integrator. They leveraged open source code um, and didn't have Mm -hmm. best-in-class protocols that distinguished themselves with performance and scale using things like, you know, uh, FRR, which is rebranded, you know, uh, today to be Quagga. Those kinds of solutions fundamentally are not competitive to uh, what the OEMs have to offer. So when we started the company, we said and recognized this and said, we need to go back to first principles. And in order to do that, let's assemble the best team in the world. So number one, Arcus has assembled the best team in the world. Um, Our group of um, very talented, very, you know, consequential individuals, um, cumulatively have built products that are driving about 75% of the world's networking traffic. So number one, we had a tremendous amount of uh, seniority and expertise. Um, Number two, we had the privilege of Kayer and the vision that he had around the architecture. And then we went down to, you know, just simply executing and building it from first principles. By going back to first principles, what it allowed us to do was leverage all those things that work really well. There's no NIH here. We have nothing against something that's working well. But by the same token, we wanted to take advantage of all the new advancements from a technology standpoint, make it massively scalable, make it you know, something that can be distributed, make it something that can support the low latency um, requirements that uh, are being imposed on us, um, you know, within the networking community. And so we set out to build ArcOS, the Arcus operating system. And uh, we started with, number one, having best in class protocols. So we don't leverage um, uh, open source code for critical functionality like the protocols. Um, We developed our own BGP in-house. We have, um, you know, uh, IPv4 support, IPv6 support. Uh, We do things like Label Unicast, MPLS. We are one of the authors with Cisco on the IETF standards for segment routing, which is going to be essential for the 5G space. And along the way, we were able to also add per-process restartability uh, for things like um, the routing layer and our rib and our forwarding layer. In addition to that, we said, let's take advantage of all this memory that's going to be out there, all these processor cores that are out there, and create a massively scalable architecture. Everything that we did is 64-bit, um, and um, both in the user space and at the OS level. Um, everything is multi-threaded, uh, which translates to minimal locking. Uh, the control plane and the data plane portion of our solution scale independently. Um, We also made the architecture composable and microservices-based, which gives us tremendous flexibility in that we can deploy it um, on-prem in a physical location. We have it as VMs and as containers, and we're deployed in the cloud today with AWS and Azure. Um, We have native patching capabilities, and we made... um, a layer that we call the data plane adaptation layer. We um, uh, fondly call it DPAL within the company, and it's an intelligent, programmable how that allows us to be hardware agnostic and essentially work with any switch, any router, any system that's out there. And finally, because we believe in -in best-in-class solutions and we believe in open integration, we believe in the choice to allow you and the customer to pick the best solution. And if we don't have the best solution, they're not gonna pick us. And so um, our solution is automation standards-based and that facilitates um, openness, um, ease of scale from a control and manageability perspective uh, and um, uh, very uh, tightly integrated with any third-party solution out there because again, we wanna give you the freedom of choice so you can thrive. And finally, We generate real-time streaming telemetry because we have 100% control and visibility of both the data plane and the control plane. And again, we put that out in a standards-based format so anybody can use it. So all of these combination of things um, uniquely distinguish us. And through customer uh, trials and evaluations and being deployed in production in some of the largest names in the world, um, we have demonstrated all these architectural advancements in a solid, robust product that is not bloated with superfluous functionality to try and lock you in and really focuses on delivering performance and scale, operational flexibility, high quality. And because of the hardware agnostic nature of it, uh, you're able to lower your total cost of ownership because we reduce capex, we reduce your operating expenses, and we allow you to you know, diversify your supply base. So all of these things uh, went into and, in, and are a byproduct of ArcOS, and it, it's the combination of that that has uniquely positioned us in the world as the hyperscale um, networking software company.
0: Excellent. So that gives a a good uh, sort of summary of where the company is with respect to the rest of the market and and what's unique about it. Um, Let's cover two more things. We need to talk about what type of customers you're aiming for. Obviously, um, in my mind, I'm thinking, sure, uh, uh, telco service providers, maybe cloud providers, possibly enterprises. Um, are all of those correct? Are there are there even more uh, potential customers for for ArcOS?
1: They're all correct, and there are uh, many more potential customers for uh, Arcus products and solutions in general, Phil. And let me um, let me maybe clarify and double click on what I just stated. Uh, so the I think the old taxonomy um, that uh, we were so com you know that was so commonplace. Uh, where we refer to somebody as a service provider or a telco or an enterprise, I think that's increasingly going out the door. Uh, Basically, what you have happening is that in the world today, because of how pervasive SaaS-based applications are and um, how, um, frankly, saturated the consumer market is with all of these different um, uh, services and capabilities that we avail of, which fundamentally need networking infrastructure, we're seeing a tremendous confluence, you know, and um, cross collaboration across um, the old taxonomy. So, cloud providers now can no longer wait for customers to come to them. With 5G, they have to bring their cloud services and capabilities to the edge. And so, you see all the cloud guys really wanting to move to the edge. The traditional service providers. And telcos, I think of them more as now communication service providers, but they also have to continue to find ways in which they could take their network and advance it uh, so that they can offer goods and services, You know, like Netflix does. Um, where does Netflix fit into the equation, right? Um, are, are they a service provider? Are they a, uh, uh, a provider of content?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. They're kind of all over. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good point. Yeah,
1: and and now these enterprises, uh, some of them have their own data centers. Some of them have availed of, you know, the cloud. Some of them need to move their services closer to their users, and so everybody needs to support this kind of um, broad set of capabilities around on-prem, edge access, and cloud and not only cloud, but multi-cloud, whether it be a hybrid cloud or whether it be cloud A to cloud B to cloud C. And so when we think about customers um, and the opportunity in networking, it's tremendously large. As I said, it's a roughly $60 billion market. Um, if you look at all you know, providers of, of infrastructure equipment combined, um, and, and, and we think of it more as use cases. And so we focus on use cases to support the data center, uh, to support the edge and peering and routing. We focus on um, providing use cases for the cloud with our uh, containerized uh, versions of um Arc OS that are already deployed in um, AWS's marketplace and, and are, are available on Azure as well. So our focus is to provide any service, anytime, anywhere in this Um, uh, wide range of use cases. Uh, And so that's what we focus on. And what we're fundamentally seeing is broad scale adoption, uh, whether it be across Fortune 20 data centers or traditional service providers or CDN providers uh, who have to stream out their content, global financial services uh, companies, e-commerce companies. We have A combination of all of these. And as mentioned, they choose us because of our performance and our scale, which is unparalleled, um, the operational velocity uh, and associated quality that we provide. And fundamentally, we're lowering the overall total cost of ownership and allowing them to turn their networking uh, infrastructure into an asset that really uh, effectively positions them in this world where uh, everybody is monetizing services and information, and needs to support you know a plethora of uh, these use cases across their network.
0: Okay, yeah. The, the, thanks for uh, clearing that up because I I think once you kind of have a good uh, fix on uh, how the world is changing and how the how the dis, you know the, the Although the old labels of these companies are going away. That definitely broadens uh, the scale and the scope of what's possible in this market. Um, so uh, so let's end on this. What is uh, uh, the future for Arca? So uh, wh- where's the company going next?
1: Well, I, I hope the future is bright. We're very excited about what we're doing. Um, I think we have emerged as a singular and unique um, asset globally uh, as the only um, independent. Uh, software company solving these complex networking uh, operating system uh, problems and have you know a best in class solution. Uh, we introduced a set of capabilities uh, uh, over the last uh, few years for the IP class portion of data center use cases: uh, top of rack, leaf, spine, uh, super spine uh, on switches, routers, etc. We've expanded to routing and peering use cases. And um, you'll see us expand our portfolio to really take this same concept of open integration uh, into uh, the high density, high port count routing tier uh, and create solutions um, that what we call the open integration of routing and uh, announce uh, a set of capabilities uh, for a virtualized distributed family of routers and then we're um, expanding, further expanding the portfolio to support uh, multi-cloud uh, initiatives where you can take a software instance of ArcOS and run it as a container and support any workload across multiple clouds. So it's really an expansion of the portfolio, uh, really mm-hmm. um, taking advantage of that uh, simple, scalable, seamless uh, set of capabilities that we provide, which really unifies are offering uh, as the power of one, you know, one software architecture, one software solution uh, that can be used in many, many different areas uh, based on your specific needs. So um, I hope the future consists of um, you know expanding our business, expanding our footprint across our customer base, and continuing to grow um, our company in every dimension to really fulfill. Um, what we started out to do, which is, um, you know, give you the freedom of choice, uh, the ability to thrive and um, turn your networking infrastructure into an asset that will uh, distinguish you and allow you to uh, successfully compete in this um, world that is dominated by the um, availability of information on a constant 24-hour, 365-day basis. So that's uh, that's where we're headed, and we're excited about it.
0: Excellent. Okay, Devesh Garg, thanks so much for being part of the uh, Executive Spotlight Q&A.
1: Thank you, Phil. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you um, and the team, uh, and look forward to more discussions in the future.
0: All right. Best of luck. That is it. That's our show. Thanks to our guest today, Devish Garg, the CEO of Arcus, for his time and insights. Thanks to our producer, Tianfu Fu, for making us sound so good. Thank you to our listener, because if you weren't paying attention, we wouldn't be able to do this at work. And uh, we really do appreciate it if you would tell a friend to subscribe and uh, make sure that uh, you're getting the download as soon as we release it uh, of the Light Reading Podcast on whatever app uh, or player you're listening to. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Overcast, whichever one, just make sure you subscribe. It really helps us out a lot. And thank you for listening to the Light Reading Podcast and the Light Reading Executive Spotlight Q&A.